Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You still speak truth? It's probably going to get you in trouble. Won't get you banned from Twitter anymore, so that's kind of nice, right? But Facebook and all these other ones, maybe. But no, you still speak truth. We still speak truth. It's still worth it. You know, God's not done with us yet. There's still a mission that we're all on, and we should be truth tellers, truth proclaimers. And and the greatest truth is, well, it's Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're going to get in trouble for anything, get in trouble for talking about Jesus. Are you a truth teller? Pastor James encourages us in his message today to speak the truth of God with love. The balance isn't always that easy. Sometimes it can be really easy to just tell people off with the truth not be very loving with it. Other times, it can be easy to share the love, but not the hard truth that people might need to hear. Pastor James urges us, then, to put this balance into practice. You live in a world today in which this can be practiced a lot. Keep being courageous with your faith. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Amos, chapter 5, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. Amos chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. Verse 1 says, listen, you people of Israel. Listen to the funeral song I am singing. So here's Amos, who's like, I'm not a musician. Sing a song, Amos. Sing a song, right? So God has him singing a funeral song to the northern tribes of Israel. It says, the virgin Israel has fallen, never to rise again. She lies abandoned on the ground with no one to help her up. The sovereign Lord says, when a city sends a thousand men to battle... Only a hundred will return. When a town sends a hundred, only ten will come back alive. What that's saying is, it's not looking good for you, Israel. It's not looking good for you. Like most of your warriors and all your strength and all this, they're going to fail you. Your strength is going to fail you. We've already seen that talked about from Amos, obviously the Lord through Amos to the people of Israel. You're going to trust in, in all these other things, in these other countries, and your warriors and your intellect and all this stuff. It's all going to fail you. Because when it's you versus God, he always wins. He always wins. And it's when you being unfaithful to God and he calls you to account, he always wins. He always does. So Amos is throwing out this prophecy to to these guys. He's giving them a heads up. This is what it's going to be like. It's going to be devastation. Verse 4, it says, now this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Come back to me and live or seek me and live. I love the New Living Translation says, come back to me, because that's technically what it's saying. Come back, return. This is a message of repentance. Come back to me. You've been unfaithful, come back. That's so beautiful about the Lord. This nation that he selected from the very beginning, who has been nothing but troublemakers to him, little rebels, right? Giving him headaches all along the way. And God's constantly like, just come back to me. Come back to me. Just come back. Slow to anger, long-suffering, gentle, patient, amazing. His loving kindness, it just, it endures forever. There is no end to it. It's forever and ever and ever. And here he is dealing with his unruly kids. Come back to me. Just come back. This seek, this come back, it's actually going to be repeated throughout the rest of this chapter a handful of times. Come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan altars of Bethel. Don't go to the shrines at Gilgal or Beersheba. 
For the people of Gilgal would be dragged off into exile, and the people of Bethel will be reduced to nothing. So these guys were setting up these temples to these false gods in these holy places. They were substituting worshiping God for worshiping all these other things that are not God. And, and here God is warning his people, don't think you can escape. Don't think you can escape. Don't run to these other places. Don't run to what you are familiar with. Don't run to what you are comfortable with or what you've grown comfortable with. Idolatry, come back to me. Come back to me. That's, that's his, his, his plea for them. Verse 6, it says, come back to, to the Lord and live. See, there it is, repeated. Otherwise, he will roar through, through Israel like a fire, devouring you completely. Your gods in Bethel won't be able to quench the flames. You twist justice, making it a bitter pill for the oppressed. You treat the righteous like dirt. Love the New Living Translation, right? That's amazing, right? Like, great, such great imagery there. This is what the self-righteous are doing. They're bowing down to these false gods in all these holy places, but they're also, they're causing injustice to, to happen upon, and we'll see this throughout the rest of this, but the poor, the disadvantaged. And they even treat the ones who are trying to live right, they treat them like, they treat them like garbage, treat them like dirt. These are the good religious people. Quote, unquote, the good religious people are treating the actual religious people like, like dirt. They don't want to hear what they have to say. These guys are truth tellers. And these guys are posers. And the posers are never like the truth tellers. They just don't. It goes all the way back to this. And, and here God is calling them out. He says, verse, verse 8, it is the Lord who created the stars. The Pleiades uh, and Orion, uh, Pleiades. <laughs> the seven daughters of Atlantis turned into stars. You guys know that myth, Greek mythology? Don't worry about it if you don't know it, because it's not, it's not true. It's not real. There's these, this cluster. Actually, I actually have a picture of that. Could you see that picture in there, sermon slides? I, got, I made you guys pictures. I know that helps sometimes. They'll be up there. It's... It's like these seven clusters of stars. Use your imagination right now. Just go there with me, right? That's the uh, Pleiades right there. So uh, this cluster of stars. God's like, yeah, I made that. I made that. Like, I, I just spoke that into existence. That was nothing for me. I made it. And it took us, I mean, I mean these guys knew about it way back then. Just kind of impressive, right? I and mean, now we're sending out super telescopes and all that good stuff or satellites or whatever they are, and they're taking awesome pictures of this stuff. But God's like, yeah, I made that. Spoke that into existence. There's nothing. Nothing. Then Orion. Show the Orion one. There you go. And then somebody looked up in the sky, and they're like, that looks like somebody shooting a bow and arrow. And I don't know how they got that, but they're like, they're like okay, cool. And that's Orion. But God's like, yeah, I made that. I made Orion. And then, you know, there's the bear one and all that good stuff. I don't have all the pictures of all that stuff. But God's like, I made those things. What have your gods done? Your false gods. That you're running back to them to bow down to them because you've been unfaithful to me. Can they do that? Well, they can't do that. Oh, nobody can do that except God. So here's God who's like, I created the stars. I created these things. He turns darkness into morning and day into night. He draws up water from the oceans. This is back in verse 8. Draws up water from the oceans and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. Yahweh is his name. With blinding speed and power, he destroys the strong, crushing all their defenses. Verse 10, he says, how you hate honest judges. And in a land of corruption, the ones who stand for righteousness will always be despised. You hate honest judges, how you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, you will build beautiful stone houses 
you will never live in them. You'll plant lush vineyards. You will never drink the wine from them. For I know the vast number of your sins and the depth of your rebellions. You oppress good people by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. He's just calling them out. He's like, this is who you are. This is how you're acting. Like you're supposed to help each other out, but you're taking advantage of the poor and you're charging them more rent than what, than what you should be doing. And then you're taxing them on top of that from their food. I mean, <clears throat> this is all that they had. And God's just like, they're living in complete, complete opposite of what we went through when we walked through the book of Leviticus and how God laid all that out. Like, this is how you interact as a community. You take care of each other. You watch out for each other. This is how a society, a healthy society, should function. Israel has long since moved away from that. And here they are. They're getting called out by God being just the injustice of their, their lifestyle. It says they gain wealth through dishonesty, but they're never going to get to enjoy it, right? And it, we, we sometimes envy people who get like money really fast, right? Or get money through whatever means. And then the story comes out later of like, oh, now they're in jail. And now they're in jail, right? You really want what they, what they had? <laughs> Do you understand how that works? I mean, we've seen that in the headlines recently. Individuals who've gotten a, lots, you know, a, mass, a massive amount of wealth, and then have come to find out, oh, it's like a scheme. And then you just got busted for that scheme. So now you get to go to jail. And all that money that you had, you don't get to enjoy. Those stories and, and these types of things should also remind us as believers, we're not living for this world. Who cares if you got a, you know, Scrooge McDuck-sized vault in your house where you swim through the gold coins and all that stuff, if you know the reference, or if you got like tons of cash and all that, who cares? You know how much of, how much of that stuff is going with you to heaven? Zero. If you got it, enjoy it. If you got it, help somebody out. Use it for good. If he's blessed you with it, use it for good. Don't envy it, though. Do not envy it. It's a dangerous trap. It's a very dangerous trap. Israel fell right into that trap. They, they sought out wealth and, and they amassed for themselves, some people, lots of money to wear that, that house made of stone reference. That's, that's a luxury type thing. Also, earlier in Amos, we learned that they had multiple houses, winter house, summer house. God's like, what are you doing? You're, and it's not that the problem isn't that they had multiple houses. The problem is how they got the multiple houses. When you're robbing from the poor to to get your summer vacation home. That's not okay with God. <laughs> that's not okay with him. But that's what they were doing, part of what they were doing. Verse 13 in that same chapter, he goes on, so those who are smart keep their mouths shut for it is an evil time, right? Because the, the righteous ones and the ones who speak wisdom and, and who are truth tellers have learned like, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Because every time I open my mouth and I say something that is true, I get in trouble for it. So they've learned like, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. Because this is an evil time. I worked at a church in Amarillo. You guys know we had staff meetings every Friday. They were not great. It's therapy for me. I need to get that off my chest. Um, no. Anytime jobs were thrown out, like, okay, hey, this is coming up. We need to do this. Crickets. Nobody spoke. Because we learned. Keep your mouth shut. Because if you don't speak up, you don't get a job, right? Like, you don't get called on. And then the newbies, it was always fun to watch the new guys coming on staff because they're really excited. And then they'd, they'd say something, and then you're like, that's now your job, right? And so we learned, some of us veterans had learned, like, just head down, look at your Bible, just don't look up, no eye contact, no, don't say nothing, right? Because then you're, you're going to get delegated a job, right? 
we learn that is the people in Israel at this time, they, they just learn, like, if I open my mouth, it's just going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. Now, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have spoke truth, right? That's not what this is saying. We live in an evil time. I don't know if you're aware of that, but this isn't heaven. I hope you know. This isn't like new heaven, new earth. We're not there yet. This is an evil time, but this is also not a time for us to seal our mouths. You still speak truth. It's probably going to get you in trouble. Won't get you banned from Twitter anymore, so that's kind of nice, right? But Facebook and all these other ones, maybe. But no, you still speak truth. We still speak truth. It's still worth it. You know, God's not done with us yet. There's still a mission that we're all on, and we should be truth tellers, truth proclaimers. And the greatest truth is, well, it's Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so if you're going to get in trouble for anything, get in trouble for talking about Jesus. Why not, right? So these guys, there's a small remnant that we're dealing with of the ones who are keeping their mouth shut. But verse 14, this New Living Translation says, do what is good and run from evil. That technically, that's where the other word seek, seek what is good, seek to do what is good. Do what is good, run from evil so that you may live. That's just good common sense, okay? Don't run to evil, run away from evil. Then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper just as you have claimed. Hate evil, love what is good. Turn your courts into true halls of justice. Perhaps even yet the Lord God of heaven's armies will have mercy on the remnant of his people, thus reminding us too that there's going to be a destruction that happens, that he'll have mercy on the remnant of his people. Verse 16, therefore, this is what the Lord God of heaven's army says. There will be crying in all the public squares, mourning in every street. Call for the farmers to weep with you. Summon professional mourners to wail. Professional mourners are still something they do today, to this day. Professional mourners and professional partiers, right? That's how Israel rolls, okay? I've been there before, uh, bar mitzvah, and it was the coolest thing ever because they hired, like, celebrators, and they just filled the streets, and, uh, man, they made this kid's day. It was awesome, right? We should do that, too. Professional mourners are a thing as well, but here they're saying, he's like, call everybody. He says, there will be welling in every vineyard, for I will destroy them all, says the Lord. Now, here's your, you're going to transition from this message he was proclaiming to these woes that he's going to proclaim. So verse 18, what sorrow awaits you who say, or woe, that's technically what that means, woe, to you who say, if only the day of the Lord were here. And that, so just so that we understand that, when we say the day of the Lord, we're, we're talking about like his return. So the ignorance on their part is like, they're like, yeah, we can't wait for the day of the Lord to be here. And, and Amos is like, you know that means destruction, right? Like, you, do you know what you're asking for? Like, the day of the Lord for these guys meant he was going to come and bring, bringing justice with him. But they're like, oh, I just can't wait for the day of the Lord to be here, right? And Amos is like, you don't get it. And here he is, a, you know, a, a farmer, a rancher with no, with no theology degree at all. He's like, I don't know if you guys if what you guys are saying actually means what you think it is, right? He's like, no, you don't want the day of the Lord. He says, you have no idea what you're wishing for. In that day will bring darkness, not light. In that day, you will be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. That's funny. That's cool imagery, right? You're like, you're just, you just outran a lion. You're like, whew, praise God. And then a bear mauls you, right? You're just, that's, that's how it's going to be for these guys. He's like, just when you think you've made it, you run face to face to a bear, Escaping from the bear, he leans against his wall in his house, and he's bitten by a snake. Okay, so what he's communicating through this very poetic imagery is, you will not get away. Just when you think you did, 
something's going to get you. God will get you, right? And so it might not be the lion, it may not be the bear, but it, and it may just be that snake that you didn't even know was there, right in the house. But just when you think you've made it, the Lord knows how to show up and get you. So these are fun messages to preach, by the way, for people. You're like, judgment messages. Everybody loves these. Yeah, none of these big churches, growing churches, are probably preaching from Amos <laughs> chapter 5. But this is good stuff for us to go through because, look, let me just say this. If you're a believer in Christ, okay, um, concerning the judgment of God, you have nothing to be afraid of, okay? Can I, can I ease that from you if you're carrying that? You don't have anything to be afraid of because he took all the punishment on himself for you and your sins and my sins too. You don't have to live in fear of like, God's going to get me kind of thing. Now, if you're being a knucklehead and doing a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be doing, then, well, your sin will find you out. Just if it does, make sure it finds you covered in his blood and in Christ Jesus, and then own it if you got to own it, right? That's what repentance is. But you and I don't need to walk around in fear of like, you know, oh, God's going to get me. We don't, we, we, you can't live that way as a Christian. That's unhealthy. There's a reverence, there's a fear, a healthy fear, a healthy respect for God and, and who he is and the fact that he could squash me at any moment in time. Yes, he could of his kids, I'm one of his kids. And what I don't want for my kids is to walk around in my house afraid of dad. That's not healthy. That's not a healthy environment at all. That's what you would call an abusive environment. No, what they, my kids know is in our house, they have freedom to be who they are. They know there's lines that we don't cross. And if we cross those lines, there's consequences. But they don't walk around cowering in fear because dad's going to get me. Too many Christians today, they walk around in this, this fear of like, dad's going to get me. Look, don't just live your life for him about Christ, sins covered in his blood. If, if there's things that you have to own or confess or repent of, then just do that. What do you think he's going to do? Not forgive you for the work he's already done for you? Well, of course he's going to forgive you, and he knows how to clean you up and restore you and all that good stuff, but you don't have to walk around just in this fear of like, oh no, if I don't, if I don't do this, if I don't check off all these boxes, he's going to get me. That's not the God who we serve. That is not the God of the Bible, okay? That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is like, I will bring justice to this world, absolutely, and he knows how to correct his kids when they step out of line, but he's not looking to get you. He's not looking to get you. And if, if anything, that should motivate us to be like, I want to draw closer to him because of that truth. So I feel like I need to say that. Maybe it'll relieve the pressure from somebody here. All right. The day of the Lord will be dark and hopeless. That's fun. Uh, without a ray of joy or hope, right? Put that on a coffee mug. Put, sell it at Mardell's. Maybe a nice little pillow on your couch. Or maybe this next section. This is, look at this. I love this next section. I hate all of your show and pretense. Hmm. I wonder if God were to, let's, I, I know he's everywhere. I understand the, you know, I understand the omnipotence of God in that sense. I don't understand it, but I, you know, I get it, right? He's everywhere. But let's pretend he walked into our church one day. What, what would he, he'd fill out a visitor card, right? And uh, maybe, maybe if we did have a suggestion side, I don't know if we do on our cards. If we do, don't write any suggestions, please. But what if, but what if he evaluated like us? Because this is what he's doing for Israel. He's like, I hate everything you're doing. 
Your church services, I hate them. No, that's strong language, God. We don't say that word. That's not nice. That's going to hurt our feelings. He's like, maybe your feelings need to be hurt because you're playing games. He's like, I hate all your show and your pretense. And the wording is, is that strong? He despises it. If we're putting on a show or some performance, he doesn't like that. We need to understand this. And I think as a church, capital C church, especially in America, we really need to get this. We think he's impressed by our shows. He is not impressed by our shows. What he wants is our hearts. And so who cares what that looks like? Who cares how that looks and sounds and all that stuff? We want to give our best because he deserves our best. But it has to come from our hearts. Because if it doesn't, it's all nonsense. It's crazy. He's like, and we're about to go into the section where they are doing all the right religious practices, but with the wrong hearts. And God calls them out on it. He says, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals, note that, your religious festivals. But God, you instituted them. Yeah, and I wanted them to go like this, but them, and you made them like this. So they're yours. Your solemn assemblies, that means they're, they're gathering together. Now remember, we're talking to the northern tribes, and the northern tribes had come up with this idea of like, let's set up an altar in the north so that we don't have to go down to Jerusalem to worship with everybody else. So let's make it convenient for ourselves. We'll make it convenient for ourselves. And the altar that they set up wasn't even really for God. It was for a pagan deity is technically what, what happened there. But they, they set up this abomination. And this is their, their religious practices and all this stuff. They're still trying to like merge you know, what they had learned from, from Moses and the law and, and just merge that with the, the current culture, so to speak, right? And just leave God out. And then we're just going to worship like this. We're still going to do these things, but we're going to do them not to this God. Well, we, we'll say that, but not really to him, but it'll be to these other things. And he says, it's, it's hypocrisy. He says, I, I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise, right? Just brutal. Like God's like, it's just, it's, it, you're hurting my ears. Wait, it's a joyful noise. He's like, not that, not that, because you're not singing to me. And if you're singing to me, but you're not, these songs aren't coming from your heart. He says, I won't listen to the music for, of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living, right? He's like, don't give me the show. He's like, how about you just live out what I've commanded you to live out. You want to impress me? Do what I say. Do what I say. You think you're impressing me by all the offerings. It's like, I don't even accept your offerings. You're singing to me. I don't want to hear you sing those songs anymore. You're hurting my ears. If you want to do anything that's going to impress me, clean your room, right? And let's parents get that, right? Like, you know, you want to impress me? Like, do the dishes, okay? Do them when I tell you to do the dishes, right? Like, feed the dogs. Just do what I say. Do what I say. And this is what God is doing. He's pleading with his kids. He's like, I just want you to do what I say. You're living a life that is unrighteous. It's evil. And you're distributing all this injustice. He's like, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. I want to see an endless river of righteous living.
Compassionate and loving are just a few descriptions of God. Did you know that in the Minor Prophets, he's also described as just? Israel and Judah thumbed their noses at God by making him unimportant in their lives. They gave in to their own desires, did what they wanted, and despaired in tough situations. All of this caused them to forget God as their protector and provider. Why is it so easy to do those things that, in the long run, aren't good for us? More than I care to admit, I see myself doing those same things, over and over. God was patient with them, and He's patient with me. But there comes a point when a reality check is needed. Jesus draws the line between white and black, wrong and right, judging actions and motives. Thankfully, He doesn't leave us in that rotten state. He offers us forgiveness and hope. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Each message professed by the prophets reveals his abundant patience, his faithfulness, and also his justice. If you missed one or more of these teachings, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Listen tab. We'd love for you to come join us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Our prayer is that you're encouraged and rest in the confidence that Jesus will right every wrong. Be sure to tune in next time as Pastor James continues here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.